0: This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you have joined us. Republicans have largely remained loyal to President Donald Trump since his inauguration three years ago. But one Republican here in Metro Detroit has now publicly backed Vice President Joe Biden to be the next president. And this mayor is from Macomb County to boot a place that is largely responsible for flipping Michigan red for Trump in 2016. I want to welcome Michael Taylor, who is the mayor of Sterling Heights and a Republican who has endorsed Joe Biden to Detroit today. Michael, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Stephen.
0: Yeah. So, first before we get to politics, I do want to take the time to to ask you about sure. How things are going for you and your family during the coronavirus pandemic. Of course, we are all dealing with tremendous change, but I want to give everybody a chance to talk about what's going on. How are you managing?
1: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, for my family, uh, my wife and I have three kids and we've been pretty much home since uh, since late last week. My wife hasn't really left the house at all and the kids are here. We're, we've got you know enough food to last us a few weeks. We've got provisions and we're, just, we're taking this as seriously as we possibly can, and uh, that's what I'm urging all of my residents in the city of Sterling Heights and Macomb County to do as well and really beyond because that's the only way that I think that we're going to be able to uh, defeat this virus and stop the, the spread of it is by uh, limiting contact with other people as much as possible. So that's the message that we've been sending out, and uh, that's the message that um, I've been living here in my own home as well.
0: And and talk about uh, Sterling Heights and how your role, your duties as mayor have sort of unfolded over, uh, over the last week or so. I mean, nobody runs for public office thinking that they'll have to deal with anything quite like this. Uh, give us a picture into City Hall and Sterling Heights and the kinds of things you've had to do, the kind of decisions that you've had to make.
1: Yeah, it's it's really been a surreal last uh, week or so, and uh, what we did was on, I believe, Thursday of last week, we, we shut down our senior center and our community center, which was a very difficult decision to make because we just opened a brand-new $20 million community center on uh, February 29th. So for us to shut that down within two weeks of it opening was a painful decision, but it was the right decision to... To stop the spread, we we could have 500 to 1,000 people in there at any time. On Friday of last week, we closed City Hall both to the public and to our employees. We sent every employee home. We told them to work from home if you can. We are uh, working on that uh, as we speak to continue to be able to provide services to our community. Um, But every City Hall employee, every park employee, every library employee is home. And uh, those facilities are shut. Our police department is still open. The only thing that's open to the public is the is the front lobby of the of the police department to make reports. Our fire department is reporting as normal, and uh, you know, the, the first responders are the ones that we that really keep us up at night because mm-hmm. we don't have the test kits available for them. We can't get tests to them. You know, they're, they're testing NBA players, but they're not testing first responders. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Trump promised that there was going to be millions of tests available this week. It's Thursday. He promised there would be a website that would direct people to the parking lots of major retailers. We haven't seen anything uh, come online, so we're working. The city of Sterling Heights is working with Wayne State University to try to bring a mobile testing uh, unit to the city, but you know that's going to take time, and the the capability, or the capacity that they can handle is, is very low at this point. So. Really, our first responders, they don't have the equipment they need. They don't have the uh, protective masks, the goggles, the gloves. And if one of them gets exposed, it could spread quickly through the department. So that's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. We're working with our federal partners to to get those questions answered. Yeah.
0: Um, Again, we want to hear from you, the listeners, too, all our about how you're doing, what you're doing, how life has changed in the last week to try to accommodate uh, the the need to stop the spread of coronavirus. Uh, we really wanna make sure that people have an opportunity to, to connect with each other about this. This is not uh, something that's allowing us to connect <clears throat> in the physical world in the way most people are accustomed to. Uh, here on Detroit Today, this is a platform where we can come together each day and talk about what's going on in our world and talk about the ways in which our lives have just been absolutely upended because of this pandemic. As always, the number on the phones is 313 1019 That's 313 1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today. And we'll work you into the conversation. Okay, Michael, let's talk a little politics. Uh, you are a Republican mayor. You voted for Donald Trump for president in 2016. Uh, and now you're saying that you want to support Joe Biden, a Democrat, former vice president of the United States, to be the next president. Tell me why. Well, yeah, that's a
1: decision that I made. um recently regarding regarding supporting Joe Biden, but my uh, lack of support for Donald Trump has been kind of bubbling up for the past couple of years. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And, and it was really frankly right away that I realized there was something wrong with him. And, but as I've been saying to people, you know, what, what Republicans do is we, we vote Republican and you kind of talk yourself into voting for a Republican because of the policies and the appointments and and uh, the team that he would surround himself with. But it became apparent early on to me that the team he surrounded himself with was um, largely corrupt, a lot of them uh, not competent and not able to do the job. Uh, he surrounded himself with family members and friends and donors and people that uh, would just tell him yes to everything. And so to me, uh, this, is a, this is a question of putting our country over our party, uh, putting our – our country and our nation over uh, minor policy differences or even major policy differences. We we need to get this country back on the right track. We need to have real leadership, a steady hand in the white house. Somebody who isn't concerned about uh, just hearing yes all the time, isn't concerned about TV media readings. I mean, this is really childish and especially in the type of crisis and emergency we're in right now, I mean, the lack of leadership is on full display. And uh, to me, there's only really one option and one choice, um, and that's Joe Biden. He's somebody that can unite all the Democrats, uh, and he's somebody that can attract moderates and Republicans like me. He's somebody who can restore adult leadership into the White House, somebody who uh, can unite the country to uh, defeat this, this virus and provide the leadership that we need going forward. So I'm proud to
0: support Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I ask a lot of people this, and I hear what you're saying from lots of people uh, right now, especially. But even before uh, the coronavirus pandemic really started to affect us here in the U.S., I heard a lot of Republicans saying, listen, uh, I I, I don't think I can continue to support this president. And, And the question I always ask them is, what was it in the first place that allowed you, as a Republican, to say that, that 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 Donald Trump's candidacy was okay. So, I mean, in 2016, you had to vote for him after you saw and heard the Access Hollywood tape. You had to vote for him after he said all these really xenophobic things and racist things about Latinos and other people of color. Walk me through that decision, that initial decision, and why it was okay to say that somebody who was showing us then what he was going to be as president uh, was going to be all right.
1: Well, I wasn't okay. I'm not here to defend myself, and I'm not here to make excuses, and, and I'm not here to tell you what I did was the right thing. I mean, frankly, I'm here to say the opposite. Uh, his candidacy was grotesque, and uh, the things he said, the way he behaved. Um, I kind of, I guess, what I did was I, when he'd say these these you know, xenophobic things or when he would say these misogynistic things, I, I would kind of, the way I would justify it, I think, is by saying, I don't think he really means that. I think he's just a showman. I think he's just saying whatever he can to make himself look good uh, to this base of support that he has, and, and he's playing to the crowd that he he believes can carry him to the White House. And my my justification was that, you know, once he gets in, he will – turn off the campaign mode and go into governing mode and and be a responsible person and and from day one when he uh brought out sean spicer the press secretary to brag about how big his crowd size was it was like no this is not going to happen it's it's not going to change and in fact it's probably going to get worse so i i instantly had regret about my decision and you know i'm I wish I could go back and I wish I could change it, but I, I can't. All mm. I can do now is look forward and say we've got an election coming up this fall, and you know I encourage people who are in the same position as me that or you know, moderates but but lean Republican, or conservative. Say you can you can go and vote for somebody else. We we don't need to vote for Donald Trump just because he has an earnest as mm. We have to restore real leadership in this country. Uh, morality, character, fitness for office, these are things that matter a lot more than, um, you know, who's going to be on the Supreme Court. So th- this is something that uh, I've been, you know, I-, I regret it. Even like I said, I take full responsibility for, for voting for him in 2016.
0: Mm.
1: I wish I could go back; I, I can't. Mm.
0: You know, I, I-, I want uh, to take a little bit of a pause here and just note that, it's pretty extraordinary for people to admit that they make mistakes and that they're responsible for those mistakes. It's especially extraordinary for politicians, I think, to say, look, I did this, I made this decision, and and I regret it. And one of the really unfortunate things, that, the dynamics about our political conversation these days is that it allows so little space for that. It really does not let people say, I did this, or I said this, and I, I I made a mistake. I'm sorry for having done that, uh, and so I want to give you at least uh, the credit for coming on and 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 saying what you're saying, and and saying that this was not the right decision to make. I made it, but I want to correct it going forward. Now, whether whether your voters will uh, will be okay with that, whether people in your city will be okay Well, that is another question but I do think that it takes some courage uh, on the part of a politician just to say that just to say I did this thing and I was wrong so uh, I really I really want to give you credit for that uh, I, I also want to ask you though what you would do if for instance and it's looking less and less likely like this will happen but if there was another candidate on the Democratic side who ended up getting the nomination. If Bernie Sanders, for instance, who has much more progressive ideas or is putting those at the center of his campaign more than Joe Biden, uh, what would you have done in that case?
1: Well, okay, Stephen, I'm uh I'm I'm very happy that I, I'm probably not gonna have to make that decision. Um, <laughs> that would be a much harder decision for me, uh, because At some point, I I do believe in the fundamental, the the way that our economy works, the way that our democracy works. I don't think we fundamentally need to uh, overhaul everything. I I think that there are ways to improve the lives of people, um, and that more lives are improved through a capitalist form of government, form of economy, and the the form of government that we have. I think is the best form of of, um, a government and economy. So. I really, don't, I really don't like the idea of voting for Bernie Sanders. Um, ultimately, I know I would not be voting for Donald Trump. Mm. It would be a much harder decision for me to make. But ultimately, I have to be honest, I have to, we have to get rid of Donald Trump. He, he is really what I, I think four more years of him, especially if he doesn't have to think about running for reelection, could be a, truly an existential threat to our, our, our democracy, and really our way of life here. And and I, I think it's, like I said, it's on full display with the way he's handling this crisis here. You know, to your point about admitting a mistake, I mean, Donald Trump, uh, I, I don't think he's ever admitted a mistake in his life. He, he just, he can tell you the sky is green and the grass is blue. And if you don't believe him, then something's wrong with you. And, and it's that the way that people follow that, despite what the reality is, is really, really scary to me. And, and I don't like where we would be in four years from now. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of blue no matter who hmm. you know, we, we have to get rid of Donald Trump. Yeah.
0: Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Michael Taylor, the mayor of Sterling Heights. And we want to continue to hear from you about what you are doing, how you are feeling, how you are reacting To all of the isolation and changes that we have to indulge right now because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, As always, the number on the phones is 313 577 1019. Rob in Detroit, Destiny in Corktown. We'll get to you next. Uh, We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is a community service of Wayne State University, a premier public research university in the heart of Detroit. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Michael Taylor. He is the mayor of Sterling Heights. A Republican who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 for president has now said that he is backing Democrat Joe Biden because of the things that the president has done and said that he finds acceptable as a Republican. Uh, We want to hear from you during this conversation as well. Are you somebody who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and has changed your mind and decided that uh, you've got to do something else here in 2020? Are you dissatisfied with the things that you've seen out of this presidency, even going back to before the way that it has handled uh, the coronavirus pandemic? uh, Did you see things and hear things from Donald Trump that gave you pause about the vote that you cast in 2016? Also, call and tell us if you're a Republican and are supporting Joe Biden or another Democrat because you just don't feel like you can pull the lever for Donald Trump again. As always, the number on the phones is 313 577-1019. 5771019 that's 313577 1019 you can also go to Facebook and to Twitter and put comments there and we'll try to work those into the conversation uh, also uh, as we are doing each hour today uh, on or now on Detroit today give us a call and tell us how you're doing give us a call and tell us what's changed for you because of the coronavirus pandemic and how you're adapting to this new and kind of strange world where we have way less physical connection with people and in some cases just less social interaction that's a big change for a lot of people and not necessarily easy to uh to to deal with so uh, call and let us know how you're doing uh let's go to Myrna in Ypsilanti Myrna You're up first on this conversation. Yeah, well, I thank you for taking this call, because this is not exactly the question that you're asking. Mm -hmm. But I've been hearing rumors. Well, first of all, you have these primaries being postponed and maybe eventually even canceled because Mm -hmm. of crowd problems. Um, And so the the rumor I'm hearing is that uh, Trump might cancel the election in November and stay in power. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering um, how that could happen. And as far as how am I doing... um, I'm sort of an indoor person, anyway. So I mean, I'm perfectly happy staying in the house. <laughs> That's—I I feel like people like you, Myrna, are are kind of in, uh, in a, in a. A better space than some of the rest of us, because this is just not uh, all that jarring to you. So th- so that's good news. Uh, your question, though, about the elections, I mean, there's no question that there is a threat that uh, we won't be able to hold elections in the same way that, that we are right now. There have been some primaries that they've tried to to, to postpone to keep people from gathering in crowds. But My understanding, and there's a really great piece that was uh, written in, I think it was the L.A. Times that I was reading the other day. My understanding is that constitutionally that doesn't change anything. If there isn't an election held, Donald Trump's term still expires on January 20th of (laughs) 2021. And then the question would be who in the line of succession would have an unexpired term and be able to serve. So, in other words, uh, if if the Speaker of the House uh, is is not able to run in November, that would mean her term would also expire, and she wouldn't be able to fulfill the role. But uh, there's a there's a supposition that uh, the Senate majority or minority leader would be the person who would end up being president at least for some time so one of the things I think is important to keep in mind is that this is a constitutional republic that has survived for two and a half centuries and that there is nothing that has really interrupted uh, its its sort of mechanisms uh, permanently uh, the, the the idea that we would have a permanent president just because people were unable to vote is actually, something that's contemplated in the Constitution itself. Uh, Michael Taylor, I wonder if you can add thoughts to that.
1: Well, I don't have any, any particular insight into it, but I would say that the the difference between our elections in August and, and particularly in November is that those are constitutionally required elections, whereas what we're going through right now, this primary, these are just party functions. So that's this true. is a function of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And, uh, you know, I'm confident that... With the right precautions and, and aggressive measures taken right now, that we are going to be able to get back to our way of life, uh, in in some semblance of our way of life by this fall. Um, so I, I'm not worried about that just yet, and and I'm confident that um, that we're going to be able to handle elections in November and, and make that happen. Yeah,
0: uh, Myrna, thanks for the call, and enjoy the isolation that uh, <laughs> that you are. Uh, experiencing right now, let's go to uh, Jeffrey in Farmington Hills. Jeffrey, welcome to Detroit yeah, today. Yes, hello. Go ahead. Um,
2: you know, I have you know, a couple points. Um, you know, there there seems to be this ongoing controversy about what to name the pandemic. every time uh, you know Trump says it's the Chinese flu, there's you know somebody in the media that feels offended by you know labeling it you know as an ethnic uh, source. But I actually <laughs> have a cousin that I grew up with in Chicago who married a Chinese woman and he has business interests in China. He spent six months of the year there. They were there until late January, got one of the last flights out before the transit was prohibited. Mm -hmm. But he said in China, they call it the Wu flu, which is short for Wuhan flu,
0: which is where it really started. Uh,
2: Yeah. uh, But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The other point I want to make is, Um, I'm not entirely, I'm I'm a physician, so I'm somewhat objective and evidence-based and such. Um, I'm not fully accepted that this is an accidental pandemic that just came out of the blue. Um, There is a biological research facility just outside Wuhan, and it would not surprise me if they developed a biological weapon you know, they knew they could never pull off a 9-11 or a Pearl Harbor type of attack on the U.S.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> I appreciate the call, Jeffrey, but, I mean, I, I can't sign on to anything that you just said. I think it's all kind of uh, way out on the fringe, and I'm a, a little surprised that somebody who's a physician is is – indulging in that kind of misinformation. We did have doctors with us on, the, on Detroit Today a few days ago who addressed this question of whether this is something that was manufactured in a lab. It was not. There is medical proof that that's not true. Uh, and also this idea that we're, that we're okay with, uh, with calling it the Chinese flu, even if people in China are calling it the Wu flu, uh, that doesn't make it right. The, the The idea that somehow this is associated with one ethnicity is, is actually pretty offensive. But again, glad you're listening. Glad you called. Uh, but uh, got to correct the errors in what you said there. Let's go to Destiny in Corktown. Destiny, I've got about a minute left. Uh, but go ahead. Sure. Uh-huh. Um,
2: so uh, I work in downtown Detroit
0: and my employer sent us home um, on Friday. So Friday was my last day at the office. And I have a good friend who's a medical student up here in Michigan, and she refused to accept my disinventation for her to come through this weekend, and we laughed about it. Um, but I found that her, along with my significant other, who's also a medical student outside of the state, who's coming in a couple of weeks, um, who has gone out um, this week, he's gone out, he went out earlier um, you know, last weekend. Um, I find that medical students in my social group are a little more skeptical about um, mm. what's happening right now. And they're not as convinced that there are certain precautions that need to be taken. So that's one trend that I've seen. Yeah. And the second comment is that really more of an encouragement for young folks to allow young folks to the, do their civic duty and socially isolate. And isolate. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, Destiny, so. I'm, I'm running out of time, but I really do appreciate the call and those comments. We've got to get people to stay away from crowds for sure. Uh, All right. Michael Taylor, mayor of Sterling Heights, it was great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thanks for coming by.
1: Thank you for having me. All right.
0: That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.